Welcome to the C3 Eastern Suburbs podcast. We're glad to have you tune in today and hope this message blesses you. If you'd like to visit, we meet in Glen Innes, Auckland on Sundays at 10am. You can also find us on www.c3easternsuburbs.org.nz. Enjoy the message. <laughs> Sorry, we haven't got time for it all. I know you all want to go back there. <laughs> I understand this is what they call an earworm song, which is a German word, which means it's one of those songs that you can just never get out of your head once it's in there, you know. <laughs> just before we get to that, I just, I just so feel this morning. Help me, Jesus. God, we sang that song, he's roaring like a lion. And I just so feel this morning like God is roaring like a lion. Sometimes you just see God for who he really is, you know. You see that, you know, we come to church and it's lovely and we sing nice worship song. God's lovely, he's peaceful, he's kind, he's full of mercy and grace. But sometimes he roars like an, a, a lion. And, and the other song we sang was he's, he's fighting for you. And some people today, God is roaring like a lion in your life because he's angry. He's really angry at the stuff that's happening and what the enemy's been doing in your life. And, and he's roaring like a lion and he's fighting on your behalf. You might feel powerless. You might feel like you're just being overwhelmed by this crap. I'm just going to use that word. And and yet God is there. He has not left you. He has not gone away. He never did. He's roaring like a lion, and it's making the hair stand on your head. And and the, every the enemy will have to flee. Miracles will happen when God roars like a lion. But he's fighting on your behalf. He's come, some of you, to disrupt your lives. God's the great disruptor. You know, we hear about disruptive businesses these days. Come in and disrupt Uber, disrupts the whole taxi business with a whole new model, things like that. God is the greatest disruptor. He knew about that long before Uber ever stumbled across it. And he wants to come and disrupt your life sometimes. You know, we just, we sometimes we just do this Christian thing. We do it for years, decades, centuries almost, it seems. And God every now and then comes and disrupts us from our just pleasant little Christian life and tries and it's like re, tries to refocus us, you know, on, on what's really important, on what's really going on, about the big picture as he sees it, you know. Anyway, come back to the message. I haven't even started that. <laughs> There's about 500 messages in there. I, I just don't get to preach enough now. <laughs> I think it's a year since I last preached, is it? And, and I've got a year's worth of messages to give you in, well, however long it takes. So, yeah. Let it go. Glenn said, can you preach about let it go? And, and I said to him, yeah, I'll come back to you about what that really means. <clears throat> hundred different ideas come flooding through my mind. I never got back to him. Um, and I, I just decided to go to the source. The frozen sauce. Let it go. Let it go. And um, who's watched the movie? 
Oh, goodness, yeah. It was one of those little girls, you know, let it go, let it go, not realising what a dreadful song it is. <laughs> Frozen's the story of two sisters, um, Elsa and Anna, who are princesses in a fictional mountain kingdom, right? The elder sister, Elsa, has these magical ice powers. They're pretty scary. And she's been forced to hide them and suppress them her entire life unless she accidentally does something that hurts somebody, you know, because she can just, and ice shards come up and pierce people's hearts and stuff, you know. And... um, and until she accidentally reveals them all at her coronation as queen. And uh, the whole kingdom gets turned into this winter wonderland forever. And chaos and destruction reign. And winter descends upon the entire kingdom. And Elsa then flees up into the cold remote mountains where she sings, Let it go. And she gives up trying to live this perfect life. She gives up trying to follow all the rules and do all the right things and so that she will be this this lovely person that she's supposed to be. She, but she just gives up trying to suppress this dark side of her life. And I think that's something we can all identify with. I'll, I'll just read you the words from the song. The snow glows white on the mountain tonight, not a footprint to be seen, a kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. The wind is howling like the swirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in. Heaven knows I've tried. Don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be. Conceal. Don't feel. Don't let them know. Well, now they know. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Turn away and slam the door. No one's ever done that, have they? I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. My wife told me about a story once where she slammed the door and then she sat there and threw all the shoes at the door. I just thought, I just came to my mind. I must be something. (laughs) Yeah, she was seven. (laughs) Yeah, growing up with five big brothers, no fun. Let the storm rage on, the cold never bothered me anyway. It's funny how some distance makes everything seem small and the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free, let it go, let it go. I am one with the wind and sky, you'll never see me cry. Here I stand and here I stay. Let the storm rage on. My power flurries through the air and to the ground. My soul is spiraling in frozen fractals all around. And one thought crystallizes like an icy blast. I'm never going back. The past is in the past. Let it go. The cold never bothered me anyway. And I'll rise like the break of dawn. That perfect girl is gone. Here I stand in the light of day. Let the storm rage on. Let it go. This isn't probably the kind of let it go Glenn had in mind when he asked me to preach. But I'm always a bit obtuse, I just can't help it. Thousands of little girls across the country were singing that song, a kind of a manifesto of sorts, you know, stomping their foot, rebelling against being that perfect little girl, all the 
you're casting off the restraint, the rebel against unrealistic expectations placed on their life. Instead, to be true to whatever you feel most deeply inside. But when the princess decides to let it go, she brings terrible evil into the world. The fallout from all her actions are devastating. No right, no wrong, no rules for me is the sin that isolates the princess and freezes her kingdom. Elsa was facing the reality of what psychologists would call our dark side. Though most of us are kind of like doing the best we can in life in any given moment, inevitably there's times where our less than ideal self rears its ugly head. Times when our greatest efforts, our emotions betray us and and our most childish and reactive behaviours are triggered. You know, our dark side. The not so pretty parts of ourselves emerge in spite of us. They're the tendencies that live with in each one of us, the primitive, basic instincts we're born with, it seems. And we soon learn that they're unacceptable behaviour, right? They're things like rage, greed, jealousy, addiction, procrastination, and all sorts of destructive behaviours. That great psychologist Carl Jung referred to them as our dark sides of our personalities or our shadow selves, They've been portrayed in media across the ages by famous characters like Darth Vader and Hamlet. And if we allow them to hijack our better judgment, they have the potential to absolutely sabotage our relationships, our well-being, and ultimately to sabotage our lives. Um, the, the kind of unconscious control that that dark side can exert on us accounts for the self-destructive behaviour of so many people. I mean, you can look around and you'll know people, or maybe you, you've found this happening to yourself. Um, we struggle with these things. We're unable to control them sometimes, despite consciously knowing that we'd be better not better off not engaging in actions like this, but we just It's out of control. Out of control. Addicts are driven by their shadow, and that counts for the kind of internal war in them. One moment they tell themselves they're going to give up their addiction and live a clean life, and the next moment the dark side overrides their conscious ego, and it and they enthusiastically seek out their next drink, their next hit, or their next sexual release. Robert Louis Stevenson says in his book, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, man is not one, but truly two. He has a conscious personality and a shadow, each of which often battle for supremacy in his mind. Another great psychologist, Eric Newman, said, Man has to realize that he possesses a shadow which is the dark side of his own personality. He is being compelled to recognize his inferior function, if only for the reason that he is so often overwhelmed by it, with the result that the light world of his conscious mind and his ethical values succumb to an invasion by the dark side. 
the whole suffering brought upon man by his experience of the inherent evil in his own nature, the whole immeasurable problem of original sin, in fact, threatens to annihilate the individual in a tangle of anxiety and feelings of guilt. What to do? What to do? Even the great apostle Paul spoke of this dilemma in Romans chapter 7, verse 14 to 25. The trouble is with me, I'm all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, but I know that what I'm doing is wrong. This shows that I agree that the law is good, God is good, basically. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. He really goes into this, doesn't he? (laughs) But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. Keep following me. I have discovered this principle in life. He calls it a principle in life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, he says. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. It is at war with your mind, people. This, this thing inside of you is at war with your mind. It, it, you You are in a battle for your life. Do you realize this? You're in a battle. And the enemy wants to take you out one way or another. Whether he just, whether he kind of, whether you get involved in all those things I've already mentioned, or whether he can just even sideline you, whatever. That's why I think sometimes God wants to just disrupt us because we've just got complacent and just like, you know, and yet this war's going on. But there's another, um, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. <laughs> Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, he says, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ. Mankind's always struggled with this dilemma. The seemingly inherent evil, this base nature of ours. Original sin, as that psychologist, um, Eric, what's his name, called it. Um, Because we've walked away from God out of his presence, defiant, stomping our foot like Elsa, we've got this. Where have I heard that before? That's another whole message. No, you haven't. You've just got a world of trouble. We think we can tame it. No, we can't. It's much, much bigger than us. We're fighting something bigger than us. And there's a, there's a pride in us that won't turn to God. There's a pride in us that says, I've got this. 
I can do this. We're so strong sometimes. I can overcome this. I can manage my way through life. I can, ultimately what we're saying is, I can live my life without God. Thank you very much. More full us. We are like, I don't like this, ship without a rudder. Yeah, okay. Um, I can't think of any better illustration. Um, Just on the storms of life being tossed all over the place at the mercy of the forces of darkness who are much stronger than you or I. Charles Spurgeon said, Pride may be set down as the sin of human nature. In Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says, Who can understand the human heart? There's nothing else so deceitful. It is too sick to be healed. This is an inspiring, encouraging message, isn't it? <laughs> I sent these scriptures to Glenn to, so he could put them up here and say, It sounds like a fun message, doesn't it? <laughs> Matthew fifteen nineteen says, Out of your heart come evil thoughts, murder, unfaithfulness in marriage, vulgar deeds, stealing, telling lies, and insulting others. These things come out of our heart. My heart. I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. Galatians 5.19 says, What human nature does is quite plain. It shows itself in immoral, filthy, and indecent actions. People, we were born separated from God. Born with a nature that tends towards the dark side. And it's a scary thing to think that we would have to live our lives there. It concerns me today that I just seem to see so many people who can't cope with living in the darkness, who can't face who they are, the loneliness and isolation, just like Elsa, the fear of what they're becoming, just like Elsa, isolating themselves so they're in their life, thinking that the world is better off without them. It's endemic in our society today. It doesn't have to be like that. The loneliness, the isolation, the fear of what they're becoming. Like Elsa, they withdraw away from love to an isolated, lonely, cold place, trying to cope with their demons alone. So afraid of the damage and the destruction they're causing. So often that's the case. Friends, I want to tell you today there's a way through, there's a way out, there's a way back. God is roaring like a lion in your life. He's fighting on your behalf. Not, to, not a way back to where you were before, but a better place. In our society, really it's kind of believed that there's two ways to live. The first way is through authenticity, kind of expressed in rebellion against cultural restraints. Um, It's kind of the quest to be authentic, to be me, not to be constrained by all the cultural things around about me, all the rules, all the ways to do things. I'll just be myself. The, The kind of desire to be the architect of our own life. And, um, the idea is that kind of um, the antidote, the um, striving for personal authenticity provides an antidote to all the external conditions placed upon us. Some 
to some extent, it's, it's a reaction to the inauthenticity or inauthenticity. <laughs> inauthenticity. <laughs> Something seems wrong with that word just at the moment. Um, prevalent in culture, religion, politics, and everyday life. And like Elsa, we feel that being inauthentic, following all those things, um, we just want to get out there and, and, and be ourselves, away from everyone. We might, we might decide, just for a simple illustration, to be authentic by not following fashion trends. Fashion, following fashion trends is seen by these people to be inauthentic. You're not being your real self. You're just following another trend like every other inauthentic person out there. And the second way to live is through an ordered life, through rule-keeping. Just do the right things, follow the rules, being a good person, maybe going to church even, trying to be someone who follows the rules, who hasn't jumped off because something within them says, oh, I can't jump off. What will people think you know, if I defy the rules? But the problem is our dark side keeps on raising its ugly head. Um, I won't. I had a side note there. Forget it. Many people see these as only two options, trying to be authentic or following the rules. And sometimes Christians are assumed to be lumped in with the second group, the rule keepers of religion. But, but, but Christianity doesn't see morality in either of these ways. We don't believe um, we are most true to ourselves when we embrace our deepest desires. The Bible says the heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We need deliverance from our deepest instincts, not celebration of them. Nor does Christianity say we're most true to ourselves and when we conceal ourselves, our sin by, as if by willpower, we can keep, these, keep control of these terrible tendencies within us. And some religious people may put forward the image of a rule-keeping behavioral checklist, but that's not true Christianity. Christianity teaches us that freedom doesn't come through self-discovery or self-restraint, but it comes through self-sacrifice. Elsa was ultimately saved by an act of sacrificial love. It's amazing. There there are no other themes in the world except the Bible theme of good and evil, sin, redemption, and Jesus rising from the cross. You try to find any other theme on any movie or anything on the planet, there are none, that they're all the same. Elsa's saved by her sister Anna, who, who takes a sword through her heart um, on Elsa's behalf. And Anna's killed, and Elsa's set free by her sister's act of sacrificial love. Everything changed for her. What was a curse becomes a gift. She's got control of it now, and everything's beautiful. Peace and harmony return to the kingdom. Summer comes. The winter's gone, and she can control it. She can stamp her foot now and make an ice rink, and everybody skates, and snow falls in the right place, and everything's beautiful. Her life's under control. 
And then amazingly, Anna returns to life. She's raised from the dead to life again, just like Jesus. Jesus came and he gave his life for us as a sacrifice for our sin. This is the only way out. Without his love and his grace, we are this amazing person, this awesomely designed spiritual being locked up in darkness. And the enemy would try and lock us up. As surely as night follows day, we find that we're further and further entwined in this web of lives and deception. And we're like Gulliver um, from and Lilliput, you know, the big, the big, big man to little people. And they bound him with endless numbers of cords. And our life gets bound by one little cord after another little cord after another little cord until this awesome man or woman of God is bound in chains. I know there's a part of us that just wants to be bad and it's like I'm trying to be, trying so hard to be nice. And we can be very bad if we want to be. And often the only thing holding us back is what people would think of us. Our conscience, that little voice, that knowing there'll be consequences, bad stuff brings bad stuff, karma. But actually every one of us is a beautiful, beautiful creation of God. And the only way to freedom, to become that person that God created us to be, is to accept his sacrificial love, that he died for us, to take our place so that we can be free. Don't be like, don't let it go like Elsa did. That's not the answer to let it go. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, when I came, I thought, I'm last preaching this message. Everyone said, let it go, let it go. Let all your stuff go. Let all your problems go, whatever. What? No, don't let things go. No, sorry. Okay. There's a different meaning here. Just let's get that straight. Um, but don't let it go like Elsa did and just throw caution to the wind and just go out there in the world and do what you want to do. The answer is to let go of our pride to come to Jesus, to take the path of humility and ask him to pick us up and hug us and welcome us back into his arms. Thomas Merton said, Pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real. Francis Frangipani said, God can never entrust his kingdom to anyone who has not been broken of pride, for pride is the armor of darkness itself. But... Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And he'll heal your land on a macro and a micro level. Micro level being you, he'll heal your heart, your land, your soul, your life. And restore it to everything that God ever envisaged for it to be. And he will heal your land, your town, your, your, your place of you know, where you live, people around you. God gives grace to the humble. Remember when the apostles had this argument about who would be greatest in, the heaven, in heaven. 
And Jesus he said, taking a child, he set them before him, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, "Whoever receives this one child, like, one, who receives one child like this in my name, receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me." There's no proud person in heaven. There's ex-murderers in heaven, but there's no proud person in heaven. It takes humility to come to Jesus and to figuratively even to fall on our knees at the cross and say, Jesus, I just so need you to take hold of my life. I can't do this on my own. I'm out here, it's cold, it's lonely, it's isolated. I've tried and tried, I've battled, I've battled. I'm exhausted. I just want to come home. Living our life apart from God's an exhausting, disillusioning thing. All the good things about us are twisted and distorted. And instead of bringing good, they bring destruction and fear. And unable to tame the voices, we can turn to alcohol, to gambling, to sexual addictions, and leave behind a vast number of broken relationships, families, lives destroyed, no peace, no happiness. I'm sick of seeing that. You know... It makes me angry. I understand God roaring like a lion. I'm angry at the enemy who lies and lies and lies to us and causes these things to happen in our lives. Jesus says, I understand the turmoil. Life is a fractured place. It's like fractals of ice shards that Elsa Come home to me. Christians, I think, I just feel this morning, we need to find a new place in God. The world swirls around us. People rage. People hate. They live for themselves. People are hurting and harming each other, railing against the rules, the constraints, the inauthenticity. (laughs) I'm really having trouble with that word today. You know, and... I'm coming back to my side note I left out just briefly. We see in the world today that they're trying to make everything right by putting rules, making rules. They're trying to bring peace and harmony and into, into racial relationship and make things beautiful. They're saying, you know, let everything be peaceful. Let everybody get along together. This is what you can say. This is what you can do. If you say the wrong thing, it's like whack-a-mole. We'll put it in your contract that you can say this and you can say that. I'm not alluding to anything. And I'm not agreeing with anything or not agreeing with anything. But the world is trying to get all the rules straightened out. I'll tell you what, we're going to see a rebellion soon. 
The alt-right is just the tip of the iceberg of the people who do not like to be told what to do and do not necessarily agree with with what the other people are saying. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong or anything. I'm just saying there will come a groundswell of rebellion against this. And there's so much tied up on that. There's about 10 messages. Anyway, but people... I just kind of feel like we need to stay in his presence like never before. Just come to a new place where, not where we come to God with all our list of dear Jesus, this, 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 and this, but just be people today who are found in the presence of God. And only in that presence will we have the perspective and the strength that we need in the day that we live in. We... Yeah, these things that are happening out there can rock us. They can shake us. And we need like never before to know who we are and to be able to live in his presence and live above the things of the world and, and, and have, make, make sure our paradigm we're, we're sure of. We know our frame of reference. We know who we are, we know who God is, we know what he's doing in the world, and we're not intimidated by these things. And I, I just ask you this morning, let's, let's just commit to finding a new place in God. He says, be still and know that I am God. And if we would just... Be in his presence. I'm talking to myself as much as anyone. This is what happens when you preach. 90% of it's pointing this way. Um, If we can just be people who are found in his presence, soaking like what is in his presence, where who he is and all he is is just um, infused in our hearts so that when we go out there, when we read the news, when we are who we are in our workplace. We know who we have believed in. We know who we are. And we know that we've got a God who's roaring like a lion, who's angry about these things, and he's looking for a people who will, who will stand. Think of that song. I often think of this song Bruce McGraw reminds me of. Some of you know him. I'm going back eons. <laughs> and I love the song. It's a good song. I think Bruce composed it. Um, we will stand. We will not waver. We will stand in Jesus' name. Can't remember any other words. But they're the main ones. <laughs> Some people today... Darren, I'm just going to say this, mate. You are a great man of God. You've known the presence of God, the power of God. He's fighting for your life, man. Fighting for your life. He loves you so much. And today I just I just rebuke the enemy 
who's attempting to tear you out. God loves you. He always has. He always will. He'll leave the 99. And he'll go for a son that he loves so much. Bless you, mate. I love God. I love being in the kingdom of God. I love being a part of something huge like God is. You know, I look around this room, there's people I know, situations I know, and I just see the grace of God. I look at my own life and I see the overwhelming grace of God. I I should be lost in hell somewhere, I think. You know, there's the thing about Elsa that she went away, long way away, and everything seemed small, she said, and, you know, just scary thing if you go away overseas in a place which is far away and but for the grace of God you can be lucky to survive out there because you throw caution to the wind there's no one to see I don't know why I'm even saying this but no one to see what you do or what you get up to and that happened to me at one stage. It's especially bad if it's a really bad time in your life and you're raging and angry and upset and confused. But God, God kept me somehow. It was like I would try and throw myself under this bus and he would keep me, you know. And God keeps us. His hand's always upon us. Here's an example. Just So I'm in Perth somewhere because I was looking after all this stuff. And I was in this bar and there's these two beautiful blonde Swedish girls. Sisters. And right then I was like drinking so much as I was trying to drown everything I think in. You just anyway, these girls ended up walking out of here with me. (laughs) And I walked away from that situation. I don't know how. Overwhelmingly tempting for a guy, okay? But I walked away, and that was the grace of God. (laughs) Nothing else. (laughs) And I don't know how many times stupid things like I did stupid things. But just, just before I jumped off the cliff, somehow God was there. 
and, and he pulled me back. Let me go so far. He kind of understood. And he pulled me back. So, Father, I just so thank you for your wonderful, wonderful presence and grace and love in our lives. Thank you for every single person in this place today. I pray whatever they're facing, whatever they're facing, that you would touch their lives today. That you would come by your Holy Spirit and minister to them. Bring healing bring wholeness, bring forgiveness, bring perspective. Most of all, draw them, draw them into your presence and into your love.